Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Exposure Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content and help you answer the question, will we find a way to weasel E3 into this conversation? Possibly. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Joining me today, Dylan Blight. Hello, everybody. I don't really have a bit this week, but that's fine. <laughs> because you will work away E3 into the conversation somehow. That's all we've talked yeah, about maybe. for last week. Uh, yep, so we've got a lot to talk about this week. We're going to talk about what's in our watch history. Covering a little bit of news. We'll be giving some thumbs to some trailers and we'll giving out this week's top three. Uh, before we start, uh, with just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we are recording this a little bit early, so we have not yet seen Fast and Furious 9, uh, but we will have by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, you might even be able to listen to our episode of It's About Family over at ExposureNeuron.com, in which we discuss, spoiler full, Fast 9. We're going to talk about how much justice Han got. It'll be great. Hopefully. And then, later today, at day of release, we will be watching Luca, uh, and you should be able to find a spoiler cast for that uh, as well. So that's very cool. Lots of lots of content coming <laughs> about movies. Uh, but let's kick into what we've actually been watching. Uh, so I went to an advanced screening of In the Heights, the uh, first one of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's doc- uh, Tony Award musicals. Uh, follows a community in Washington Heights, which is an uh, uptown section of New York. Uh, mostly, uh, predominantly uh, Latino uh, community. Uh, following that community, first main protagonist uh, being uh, Usnavi, played by Anthony Ramos, who people would know from Hamilton. He played, um, he played Hamilton's son, but then in the first half he played... No, name's not coming to me. That's a shame. Got him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he plays this Navi who runs a bodega um, and is like has dreams of moving back to his parents' country of the Dominican Republic, but he has on this crush on this girl named Vanessa, uh, but she's also got big dreams of moving downtown away from this borough uh, and becoming a fashion designer. Also, his childhood friend Nina has come back from work going to Stanford, but she's got a big secret. Um, she hasn't been able to handle the pressure of... Uh, well, he doesn't fit in at Stanford, and despite being like a high achiever and her dad paying for tuition out of his uh, own pocket, um, she's uh, thinking about dropping out, you know, and she doesn't know how to approach people with that. Uh, Usnavi's best friend has a massive crush on Nina. They have a romance through, through the film. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's very much about the community, um, and there's also this big heat wave going on at the same time, so everybody's hot and not wearing lots of clothes. That, that's not a key hot, point, man. but yeah, it's hot. They're real hot. Yeah, everyone's hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is such a delight. Um, it's a really fun, enjoyable film. Uh, it's just beautifully brought to life. I think um, some of the dance numbers are v- super impressive, and it's like you need to see it on a big screen as possible. Uh, I know it's on HBO Max over in America, but uh, I think they're, they're doing themselves a little bit of a service. Uh, the songs are really good. I don't think there is... Like, everyone is not, like, a hit or, like, super memorable, like I feel like the Hamilton soundtrack is, uh, but there are still a lot of really, really good songs. Um, but these are, like, these are song songs, whereas Hamilton's, like, that got that rap. No, it's got it, so. more of, it's got some of that as well. 
uh, oh, elements of that. It's, it's definitely Hamilton is definitely a progression. And even watching this, I could kind of hear like the voices from Hamilton or like tonal lines and that kind of thing flowing flowing through. Uh, there's also a couple of you can hear like it's written by the same person. Is that what it, it sounds like that. <laughs> Obviously, this is more Latin music flavored than Hamilton was. Uh, but yeah, there's a few little Hamilton Easter eggs. Uh, obviously, Lin Manuel Miranda's in the film, uh, but uh, there's—I'll just say it. There's a, a scene in which a character is on on hold on the phone, and the song that playing is "Will You Be Will you, You'll Be Back." You know the the uh, the King song, yeah, playing in the as the hold music. Uh, and yeah, there's a few other Easter eggs as the like people who were in the original run of uh, "In the Heights" on Broadway. Um, and different things like that. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. There is a few, like, there's some pacing issues. Obviously, this was a, a two-act show with an intermission on Broadway. It's a two-minute, two 20-movie. Uh, it doesn't quite flow evenly all the way through. Um, I think the ending is not fantastic. It just kind of ends. It doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't, it's not a satisfying ending, in my opinion. Uh, but it might work for other people. Um, yeah. And also, they've made a lot of changes to the uh, play. Events have been moved around. The length of the the events in the film have been stretched out. Uh, characters have been completely removed. Our characters have been added. Uh, so if you've watched the musical and think, oh, I don't need to go see the movie because I've already seen the musical, go see the musical. Go see the movie because it's different from the musical. Uh, but yeah, great performances across the board. Anthony Ramos, like, amazing. It's going to star-making performance, you could say. Uh, but yeah, you can check out my review over at explosionnetwork.com. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, yeah, really great film. Releases in cinemas uh, June 24th. But this weekend, I think they're doing another round of advanced screenings at time of release. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, the, <laughs> the 18th, 19th, and the 20th. You can check it out in cinemas before it comes out on the 24th. Everywhere. There's no E3 this weekend, so hopefully I'll actually have the time to... To uh, go see it? <laughs> to go see Yeah, it. I'd be keen yeah. to hear your thoughts, because, yeah. Lots of... Ca- yeah, I'm lis- I'm still listening to the soundtrack, like, even a few days later, so... Yeah, I would have gone and watched it this past weekend, but, yeah. But times, yeah. Time, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, before the E3 times, you did go venture the cinema... Uh, in that eerie time right. between us recording the episode and the, <laughs> the episode coming out, you went out and watched The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, yeah, The Conjuring 3, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So this, of course, The Conjuring universe has become this uh, massive horror franchise universe that's had like a bunch of spinoffs and, you know, this sort of stuff. But this is the the third one where you've got uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Firminga back as uh, Ed Warren and Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, it's disappointing. It is nowhere near as good as the first two, and I can't help but just put all of that on who's directing it. Like, James Wan directed the first two. This one was directed by uh, Michael Chaves, who directed one of the spin-off ones. Which one did he do? He did The Curse of the Weeping Woman. Yeah. Uh it's just the it just doesn't it feels like a paint by numbers horror movie whereas i james wan has been known as like sort of he's, he's a big name in horror because 
He's always felt like he was trying to do, I wouldn't say anything groundbreaking, but his films always felt like they had something about them that at least made them stood out or at least one really super memorable scene that people were just like, always remember like um insidious people always think about the um the tulip song scene where they see a little kid in the background like um insidious 2 there's that scene that you see in the trailer that people always talk about with the the where she's looking down at the the staircase and the hands come from behind and just <laughs> clap like randomly and like scare everyone like this movie doesn't really have a collective really scary moment and i think maybe it's a lot of it's just to do with also the material so this one's more straight up telling the real life story. Like these things are always like based on a true story, but like a lot of it's like very loose or whatever, but this one just gets a little bit too, maybe too close for comfort in where it's, so it's based on, um, what's the person's name? Arn Johnson, who was accused of killing someone in broad daylight, basically stabbing him like fucking 30 or 40 times. And then he pleaded and said that the devil made him do it, um, that he was controlled by a demon. And so in real life, the Warrens did come in and they helped to work together to try and get the court to let him plead this case. And, you know, there's this whole line in the movie where they are talking to the judge or whatever. They're like, every time someone... It's it's kind of a good point, to be honest, but like they're like, every time someone ste- steps up on a court, they have to put their hand on the Bible and believe in God. You know, like, I promise, tell the truth, all that sort of stuff. So they, we always acknowledge God in court, but we never acknowledge the the devil at the same time and people are just playing off. So that was kind of, it's kind of a cool line in the movie and like a cool concept that I guess makes you think a little bit. It's like, yeah, well, they're always like angels, gods and stuff that we don't never want to think about what's supposedly below. But um, yeah, it's just the other aspect about this one is so it basically becomes like a horror detective movie after the opening. Like you have this really sort of somewhat scary opening that sets up the the demon taking possession of him and like uh, forcing the killing and whatever else but then once the the warren shop it's this whole thing where they're going to different locations and even different towns and driving there and they're trying to figure out who's causing this like what happened to this demon where did this demon come from so all of a sudden it's like a detective thing and it's nowhere near as scary as the other ones where so in the other movies the warrens are sort of the they're never even the main characters they're just people who are there the the main characters are always these families they're usually set in one side inside one house um, you get that sort of claustrophobic feel, you get to know the family, you get attached to those characters. Whereas this one is led by the Warrens and you know, they're not going to die. <laughs> like <laughs> it has that horror movie, um, you know, plot armor to these characters where anytime you feel like they could get close to die, you know, they're not going to die. Um, they don't die. That's not how these stories go. If they're going to f- follow for it, you know, there's going to be more or whatever else. They just, they, so that takes away from the scares. And then also just the road trippy feel. It just means that you can never really build a good, um tension to a lot of the scenes so yeah like um those t- so patrick wilson vera Farmiga, they're fantastic in these roles they're one of the the best things about these insidious movies they're just two really good actors that bring like that a class caliber to these horror movies and you know the, the rest of the people in this movie are okay like john noble's in this and like i, I love john noble anytime he shows up and anything because i'm like hey fringe love it um but otherwise, this was, yeah, it was a pretty big disappointment and a pretty big step down. Like, it's, it's definitely not like, oh, this is a terrible horror movie. It's just like, a, I don't know, like a five. Like, I, I didn't have time to do a review because fucking I had to take priorities. But yeah, it's probably like a a five if I'm yeah. scoring it now. So, yeah. Uh, so, last week, Loki 
debuted. So we've only seen the one episode at a time of recording. Uh, but um, what you can of course hear our in-depth thoughts over at uh, all new Marvelcast available at explosionnetwork.com. But Dylan, what you quick thoughts on Loki so far? Really good. Really looking forward to work, guys. First episodes, obviously, just uh, 40 minutes of setup, more or less moving the pieces in the place, introducing um, and getting Loki and building that universe and explaining how this show can exist. But um, And a lot of it's just Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston sitting in a room and just doing stuff. By doing stuff, I mean talking. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's really good. It, by the end, they make you feel for that character, which I think is the important aspect. And it's just got its whole vibe. Like, I really appreciate how all these Marvel Disney series is. Um, so far, each one has their own vibe and style. And this one's feeling like a, a, a weird sci-fi time travel show that has playing around with a lot of like Donnie Darko-esque um plot divide, like story points of like are you really in charge of your own life or is like destiny leading you and all this sort of shit so um yeah I, i'm very keen to watch more cool. uh <laughs> so i imagine it was more because of time but uh you said you wanted to go see the hitman's bodyguard's wife uh this past mm-hmm. week so you watched the hitman's bodyguard for the first time i believe yep in preparation and then run out of time yeah. In my mind, I thought, oh no, he hated that movie so much, he didn't want to go watch the new one. No. Is that like, is. No, I, I simply ran out of time. Like, <laughs> I just. I, I'm, if, I, if I'm on this show and I'm ever like, oh, I've been too busy, I'm not trying to like talk my ass off and be like, I'm so self important, I've been too busy. Like, I legit just yeah. haven't had the time. And I all, had all intents and purposes to, purpose to go watch Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. And in the Heights, or at least Hitman's Bodyguard's wife, one of them, because I knew you was going to watch In the Heights first. Mm. And I thought this would be my move, new movie to cover on the show. Unfortunately, I did run out of time. Next time on the show, I'll talk about it. I'll still go watch it. But I did watch Hitman's Bodyguard for the first time. Um, pretty fun. Like, uh, as a... It's completely carried by Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds, I think. Like, if you were to take them out and put just two subpar, not as good actors... The movie automatically just becomes like straight to DVD quality. Um, cause it is so corny. Like all the, it's, it's really weird. I never realized because obviously I haven't seen it before, but the movie actually revolves. It's, it's a romance. <laughs> like <laughs> at the, at the heart of that movie, it is a romance. The two characters have love interest and they're both going through their different trials and tribulations or whatever to, for those romance love interests. And um, that's like the main purpose of the movie. And it's, at times it's really kind of corny and silly, especially the Samuel Jackson and, um, oh, fuck, what's her name? Anyway, uh, the wife in the, the, the Hitman's Bodyguard's wife. Um, uh, like a lot of that stuff's really kind of corny and silly. And a lot of action scenes are sort of paint by numbers or whatever. But yeah, it's 100% carried by Samuel Jackson and, Ryan Reynolds, you can just sell, tell that Samuel Jackson's like having the absolute time of his life <laughs> in this movie. Like, this is the, the, he just gets to motherfucking fuck, fucking, fucking all this, you know, and have a great time and shoot shit and whatever else. And Ryan Reynolds is playing Ryan Reynolds, but it's fun. It's just a, it's an enjoyable action movie. Like, sit back, mind out, enjoyable action movie. And, um, yeah, I want to go watch the second one. It looks like more of the same shit. So, so I watched the first two episodes of Kung Fu, which is a, uh, remake, I guess, kind of, uh, or a modern day adaptation of the 1970s series that obviously starred uh, David Carradine. David Carradine? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. This version not as problematic, 
uh, centered around a Asian. I didn't American even know cast. this was a thing. But... It is. It's a. It's a CW show. Okay. Right. So, uh, but yes, it follows a Asian American woman called Nikki Shen. Um, she drops out of Harvard. Uh, is on in China as part of a, uh, a tour kind of thing, like a in a Asian culture. Sometimes you get sent back to the the country to like tour it, but it turns out it was a uh, a, a setup event. Like her mother set her up so she could meet her husband. Uh, so she ends up running away and joins the Shaolin Temple uh, and stays there for the next three years before her mur- her master is murdered uh, in front of her uh, and her monastery burns down. So then she has to go back to her family uh, in San Francisco, you know, and she plans to try and figure out who murdered her master and that kind of stuff. It's a silly... <laughs> it's silly, uh, but, you know, it's... It's it's a perf- it's a CW show, you know. It just happens to have martial arts in it. Some of the fight scenes are pretty cool. Uh, others are like heavy reliant on like slow motion that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's got a cool Asian American cast. Uh, it's got Z who's been in a lot of stuff recently. It's cool. I I think I knew this was coming because I was looking up all the cast from <laughs> from Mortal Kombat and uh, Ludi Lin, who plays. Kung Liu Kang uh, is a recurring character in this, so uh, I haven't met his, seen his character yet, but I'm keen to. It, it, this is one of those like background shows, like one of those ones that you just while you're working on something else, you'd have on. These the are your favorite types of shows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I'd be keen to like check out a couple more episodes, uh, see what the mystery of this magical sword that they've got going uh, is. <laughs> It's just very exposition heavy, especially his first episodes, where there's not much subtlety. They just straight out tell people everything. Everybody gets told everything. Um, she divulges all her secrets to this person she just met. <laughs> and he just happens to be really into Chinese history and mythology and has access to like libraries and stuff. And, you know, it's, you know, it's the whole thing. Of course. But, uh, yeah, kind of interesting. Uh, so let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. So I watched one of the best shows so far this year, Sweet oh. Tooth. I'm just going to go out and say it. Sweet Tooth, uh, based on the Jeff Lemire uh, series of comic books. Uh, it followed, It's set in a world in which a virus has caused mass death across the world. Uh but at the same time, same time as this virus is starting to cross against the world, all human babies are being born as human-animal hybrids. As you do. Uh, are they connected? Are they not connected? Is it, you know? Well, I don't know. But the story focuses mainly on this little boy uh, who's taken by his father, played by Will Forte, into the live in the woods because uh, he's f- scared that uh, as a hybrid he'll be persecuted against and uh, mistreated. Uh, and generally, that that's the case uh, in this world. The hybrids are hunted and uh, frowned upon, much like Asian people are post COVID. Like they're kind of blamed for the virus uh, and that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, 
Um, but yeah, Gus, uh, his father passes away, so he's by himself. He comes across uh, this hunter named Jeppard, um, and they decide they're going to team up and go try and find Gus's mother. Um, so that's the story of the first season. It's kind of a fun found family kind of story. Uh, they also flash a lot of other interwining stories, one including a doctor who's uh, who was there when the virus started, and his wife who has the disease, but he's found a way to placate it but the you know the ramifications of that and trying to keep that her disease a secret for the community is a thing that plays through the entire season uh and then there's also another character who uh is running like a reserve for hybrids uh and just like finding a new lease on life and having these relationships with these little hybrid human kids um that's really sweet um but yeah, I'm. I think it's really great. Eight episodes, forty minutes each. Um, the actor who plays Gus is brilliant, even though he's like a little, I want to say like twelve year old kid. Somehow they've got these animatronic ears because he's like a little deer boy. Um, they've managed to make him work perfectly for the moments. It's like all these really cool, adorable moments. His nickname is Sweet Tooth because he loves to eat sweet stuff. Um, but yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it. It looks totally different to the comics. I don't know if you've ever seen the Sweet Tooth comics, but Jeff Lemire does not have the most prettiest art style. I know his art style, but yeah. and I, I may have seen this yeah. before and not remembered it. But yeah, I, he, it's just like sort of rush, sort of bullshit pictures. To be honest, like it's it's, a, it's not. Well, it's his, yeah. it's it's like if you look, walk past him, you're like, like they look good, and that's his art style. But also, it's that whole like, is that done? You know, like, <laughs> that sort of... <laughs> you know of, what I yeah. mean? No, I understand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, the first season runs, I want to say the first 12 volumes. Uh, 12 issues of the comic book series. It feels like it ends at that point. I haven't actually read it. I've got the first, like, Capendi, the first uh, deluxe edition. Of course you do. Uh, that I have never read. <laughs> but, you know... That doesn't I surprise me at all. I'm a big comic collector, you know, mint condition. <laughs> Mm. Uh, that's how I like them. Uh, but yeah, Sweet Tooth, definitely check it out. Uh, I desperately, desperately want a season two. Uh, they leave it in kind of like a cliffhanger kind of thing. Uh, but there are answers, quest questions answered. Uh, Will Forte, really great, uh, as his father, uh, for the segments you get him in, um, playing and almost not, well, obviously he had like a beard and stuff in The Last Man on Earth, but it's not quite that level of crazy. He's playing more of a dramatic role here um yeah and yeah everyone across the board really great um yeah so check out sweet tooth over on netflix uh so that's everything we've been watching this week i think that might be the fastest we've gotten through the segment uh (laughs) yeah we've been doing a lot of not watching as much even you haven't watched as much no not not as much as usual yeah uh, so let's move on to some news and that Netflix, coincidentally, they had their big Geek Week uh, event uh, where they announced a lot of stuff. I don't know how much is actually super interesting or in-depth, but we'll kind of jump through uh, these articles from what's on Netflix, you know, what was announced each day, uh, starting Army of the Dead, Army of the Thieves release date, uh, wind- release window was announced coming sometime this fall, which is spring for us over on netflix of course that's the 
romantic comedy heist film directed by Matthias Swashoffer, uh, starring Matthias Swashoffer, Natalie Manuel, Gus, Gus Kane, Rubio Fee, Stuart Martin, Jonathan Cohen, Naomi Nakai, and Peter Somonishkik. <laughs> so yeah, not too far away. Uh, probably, obviously, before the end of the year that we'll be getting the Army of the Dead prequel. Mm. I'm keen. I'm keen for all this like Army of Dead revival that's kind of happening, I guess, if you want to call it that. So, um, and I basically anything that's coming to Netflix that's a revival or a sequel revival or a remake or whatever you want to call it these days, I just have like they have such a good track record for this stuff that I just feel like, yeah, because yeah. they let they let people do these things the way they should be done. Whereas I feel like if they're a Hollywood movie, you're like, mm, don't know, you know, so I'm very keen. Yeah. Uh, then there were a bunch of, like, first looks at a bunch of different action movies. Obviously, John called Van Damme's got a new film. Liam Neeson's got a new film. Uh, they showed new footage of Lupin. Uh, they announced that Shadow and Bone is getting a season two. Not a shock to anybody who's seen how well-received that series was. The numbers. Yeah. Uh, Jason Momoa's got a new film. <laughs> uh, Valhalla, Vikings Valhalla, jumping on the Norse train. Uh, a spinoff of the obviously Viking series set, I think it's a century afterwards, uh, following famous Norsemen like Leif Erikson, Phydris, Eric Dotter, Harald Hardrada, and the Norman King William the Conqueror. Um, interesting because I believe there was some sort of legal dispute about this series, so it looks like all that's that? been uh, handled. Yeah, it was on. Um, was it on like was it on sci-fi or no? Um, I feel like it was on like it was on history like channels. History, history. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, that sounds Weird. right. History does sound right, actually. Um, yeah. I, I know it's supposedly good. I haven't watched any of it though, so no, I sorry. would like to watch it if I've had time. Though, but yeah, absolutely. So yeah, more Vikings coming because there's not enough Vikings. Old uh, Yep. So we got some more information about Sandman. Obviously, they've announced the cast a lot. Uh, Neil Gaiman gave us kind of a sneak peek behind the production of Sandman. Uh, is Sandman something you're keen for? I don't think we've talked about it at all. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm keen for Sandman. I I've I haven't read all the Sandman comics, but I've read the the, the first the OG or whatever um, years and years and years ago though. But mm. uh, I so Sandman slash Constantine stuff is always like more like oh let's just go down that direction a bit more i don't know how far they're going to go down that rabbit hole in this probably not i guess so i don't really know um but i'm keen because gaiman's world is just weird just um and we've had like mixed reception i guess to other stuff is like my only like sort of worry where um uh what was the amazon one with the terry um, no oh, uh the, Good Omens. Good Omens, yeah. That was Amazon, wasn't it? No? Yeah, that was Amazon. Yeah. That was well received. That's what I'm saying. That was really good. American Gods, I've had less... I've had less... I don't think it's the source material that's... (laughs) That went from good to bad, so... Yeah. Um, So far, I'm like one for one game and adaptation. One for two, yeah. One for two, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I'm keen for this, obviously, seeing... It's a solid cast. Uh, a lot of people obviously don't know some people that we do. Um, I just the boldness of the the last uh, round of castings of having pronouns and that kind of stuff, and like 
willing to face that backlash, having the character of death played by a black woman when it's predominantly being played by a young teenage white girl, goth girl. Mm. I mean, mm. yeah. I mean, clearly they're going for the best people possible for these roles. And that's By the way, exciting. people getting angry about pronouns in a cast adaptation. <laughs> We're really scraping the, the, bar- the barrel of like things to be angry about at this stage like just get angry about just be racist and just not get it like how it was that was one of the weirdest things yeah we also found out uh money high season five they showed more stuff from uh that's always a series i've been like i should check that out because it seems to be like their big one of the big foreign push series uh but yeah uh cowboy bebop we got a first look at john cho's hair and that, that I like it. Everybody's happy about it. I like it. It looks spikish. It looks like it looks yeah. like it suits. Definitely good. Um, uh, they confirm that uh, Yoko Kano is going to be the composer for the series. So uh, we're going to jam. That's for sure. We're going to jam. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this. I remember watching when I tw- I tweeted when I was watching that, like behind the scenes little interview video or whatever they posted, whatever you want to call it. I was like, fuck this. Like if this show is actually good. And I was like, for some reason watching that, I was like, no, man, I never considered that this show could actually be a good <laughs> Cowboy Bebop adaptation. But I was watching that. I was like, oh man, this could actually be good. And then I was thinking about like, if it's actually good, what that means. And I was like, fuck, this could be like, it's going to be a very heartbreaking. What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. I oh, know. Have you seen Cowboy Bebop? Yeah. Is that an anime you've watched? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking about the, the two part. The two-part finale, which is one of the most, like, I don't know, if you watch it properly, it's, like, sort of, I mean, it's rather an emotional finale for a show, so. Yeah, I mean, if it's good, it just kind of opens the door up for all anime to be adapted, to be perfectly honest, and. Yeah. I mean. That could either be Ka- good or Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop is not, it's one of the, the best anime of all time, right? So, yeah. I don't feel like that's inarguable. I love the fact that they've got the original composer back because the music's such a big part of it, obviously. But also um, updating it slightly because that show always had a, uh, what'd you go? Like, I guess political is the easiest way to cover it, but it did have a, like, pseudo, like, corporate or, um, like, you know, a it, it, bunch of them, the tales, the stories or whatever, they did have pseudo political messages inbred ingrained to them so i'm like oh you can sort of like upgrade that sort of stuff because it's it's not cyberpunk but it is i guess like a sort of cyberpunky type if you want to go for like having a message sort of thing i guess but yeah yeah absolutely uh definitely keen for that we got some they they released the titles of all the episodes of umbrella academy season three uh no footage because it all got delayed because of covid uh but you know that is a still, weird still need to watch now. season two. Oh yeah you definitely need to uh lock and key a series that we both uh liked uh yep. back may last year i want to say it was very early last year mm. um it was long ago it feels like 10 years ago it, yeah well 2020 counts for like six or seven years uh season two is set to release october this year which i think is an interesting time obviously i feel like netflix did have for a while there some big push uh series in october obviously they had stranger things they had one of the seasons of chilling 
Tales of Sabrina uh, during that period. So whether that means they have high hopes for Lock and Key Season 2, I guess we have to wait and see. But I'm keen for the second season, where they left off. Obviously, that was a kind of a horror-esque light horror show. Um, Another Life, apparently, got to get a season, second season. I never heard anything about that, but yeah, good for them. Um, Stranger Things, they announced a couple extra cast members. Uh, no one super notable, uh, but you know, it just means that we're closer to a season four. They did announce that they're doing a podcast prequel series uh, based around Robin Buckley. Uh, that's uh, Maya Hawk, Maya Rudolph, uh, Maya Hawk. Yeah, Maya Hawk's character. Uh, so that will be released 29th of June on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That seems weird, doesn't it? <laughs> Stealing our listeners. How rude. Now, podcasts are taken off at the moment. Like, they're, yeah. especially because a lot of places have added ways to monetize their podcasts. And now everyone's like, oh, we can make money off that shit. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they have new tie in podcasts. Okay. Uh, they released the trailer for Fear Street. So, this is going to be a three week uh, event. Uh, in which they will release three different Freer Street movies, uh, one set in 1994, one set in 1978, and one set in 1666. Uh, we've both watched the trailer. Dylan, what did you think? Um, yeah, so I remember when they announced this, I was like, fuck yes, all about it, because it was basically like, let's do R-rated. Were um, you a Fear Street fan? I don't think I read any Fear Street. Yeah, it was, I was just like goosebumps. I've read it. I can barely remember it, but yeah, I've read it. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I've read nearly everything R.L. Stein when I was a kid. Like, would rent all that shit out, listen to them on tape, you know, like, Whoa. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, love it. Um, So yeah, when I was doing this, I was like, yeah, finally, because that was the thing about Goosebumps. When you're a kid, you're like, oh, this is scary. But then when you get older, you're like, they're not scary anymore because they're aimed at kids. But this is like going, let's take a story, a story that scared you when you were a kid and let's, like, now that you're an adult, now that the audience is an adult, where you can make it an R, M, A, whatever, horror movie, because those people have grown up now. So I, I love that as a concept. Um, the reason I hadn't watched the trailer until you were like, we're going to talk about it, is I was just like, I'm all about aboard this. I don't need to see anything. So I was just doing one of those, like, not going to watch it. Avoid it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what, like, as I said before, like, I'll, I'll watch stuff for this. It's fine. I was just, that was why I hadn't watched it prior to um, doing this. But, yeah, trailer was really, really good. Sets up the whole concept of you know this killer this like what's the mystery it's like it's not like a like a lot of things have sort of done this since or before i guess if you want to put it that way um but i I love the cast as well the cast is really fantastic the general tone of the 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 trailer gives you that you know especially the what is it 70s or 80s i can't remember 70s i think um gives you like very like throwback uh friday the 13th vibes especially since it's set at a um camp and everything like that so um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this. I think it looks really, really good. And the other thing I love about it is it's like, we don't get stuff like this anymore on like normal TV, you know, like an event, an event series, you know, like remember like Band of Brothers, Pacific, all that sort of shit. It was like, there's like six episodes. It's like, a, it's an event series. Like this feels like a, it's like an event movie thing. One a week. Everyone watch it. The hor- like horror, <laughs> the horror, the in quotes, the horror community have something to gather around, and everyone will this, be loving this first. This is the closest time. Netflix will come to episodic content. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, 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 very keen. Yes. So yeah, 
Uh, I don't like the horrors, but yeah, I feel like I'm just going to have to watch this because it's going to be all everyone's going to talk about. And it's on Netflix. It's super easy. I can turn on the, I can watch it during the daytime. It's all good. You can watch it during the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you and watch I, Stranger I, Things though. It's like, yeah, you, I don't I think it's, it's Stranger Things-esque. You know, it's just a very, it looks very gory. Or at least they did cut around like the swear words and that kind of thing. So I don't, I feel like it would be like an R-rated MA-15 rated I think it's thing. an MA-15. It's just an MA-15 adaptation of the story, so. But yeah. Uh, they did Lucifer bloopers and table read. Had some more gun, gunpowder milkshake footage, uh, which you can hear our thoughts of last week. Uh, day four, a lot of anime stuff. Um, had Masters of the Universe Revelation, the new Masters of the Universe series, uh, being developed by Kevin Smith, produced by Powerhouse Animation Studios. Um, Masters of the Universe is a series I've never seen, really. Uh, but, you know, I know of mostly because of the history around it. Like, obviously, the I I like She-Ra, which, <laughs> which is a spinoff of that. And then uh, I think they had the, the toys that made us special uh, around the Master Universe toys, which was really interesting and how that was sort of created. But yeah, uh, Master Universe, not really a thing I was interested in. This trailer makes it look pretty good, I think. I don't know. The art style just doesn't... It doesn't look like anything else currently being made. Uh, just It just looks like an updated version of the old art style. I so. think so, yeah. that's That might just be the best way to describe it. It's more defines lines and that kind of thing i think is the big difference uh but yeah i'm like it obviously the imagery is going to matter more to other people who care about this here care about who cared about master universe in the past but yeah i thought it looked pretty cool and would keen to check it out what do you think you disappointed there's uh, no kevin smith like jokes throughout the entire <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think so he's just like the show no jason muse coming out <laughs> maybe we'll see um but yeah so this is i think they pitched it as this is the it's a proper sequel to the original series, not like a a reboot or anything like that. I think that's the, I think that's the the setup for this. It's like it's a continuation of the franchise, not a a rebirth or something. Because um, I I did listen to Kevin Smith talk about it on a podcast once or whatever, and hmm. I think that was the pitch. Yeah, it's set um, after the final battle between He Man and Skeletor. Yeah, that's so. Uh, yeah, it's like instead of rebooting or trying, it's like we're just continuing it um, to appease fans and stuff like that. I guess. Uh, so I've I've watched He Man. Uh, sorry, Masters of the Universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've watched like maybe an episode or two in my lifetime. I the first time I ever heard about it was because Bear Margera back in the day with his little comedy rock band thing, Narkill, did a song about. He Man fucking um, Grey Skull in the ass, and that was a that was the first time I ever um, heard or saw the characters. Just thought I'd throw that little tidbit out there for you. But um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I, I'm keen. I think it looks good. The animation looks great. As I said, it looks like just an updated version of the the original ca- characters and animation and stuff like that. I thought it was a fantastic trailer. Like the music and the way it was edited was glorious. So. Um, yeah, hopefully the, it makes fans of the, the franchise happy, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they announced Loud House movie, um, which is something coming from Chris Savino for Nickelodeon. Uh, they announced the cast for 
Zack Snyder's Twilight of the Gods, which is a Norse folklore-inspired animated series, um, including people like John Noble, Corey Stoll, Jamie Chung, uh, Lauren Cohen, Pierce Domer, uh Rob Coley. Uh, that could be interesting. Uh, more of the Norse stuff, because we haven't got enough of that. Uh, we got a new Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway trailer, a uh, new Shaman King trailer, uh, Eden Zero trailer, uh, we got new footage, new images from Transformers War of Cybertron Kingdoms. There's a couple of hyphens in that. Um, first look at Exception, which is an animated uh, series from writer Hirotaki Adachi. Uh, new Make My Day tra- teaser, another anime film. We got a first look at Bright Samurai Soul, which is a animated spin-off to Bright, the uh, move that that fantasy Will Smith movie. Oh, that's fucking shit. Yeah. Right. Okay. Not sure why that's a thing. Uh, they got another Godzilla animated series coming because I feel like with Netflix always has an animated, uh, which I think uh, <laughs> Godzilla thing coming. Uh, and then day five uh, was very much video game themed. Uh, we got our first look at the Arcane. Uh, TV series, a little bit of Jinx, like looking around a building. That's pretty cool. Uh, got a little look at Cuphead. Uh, Wayne Brady is playing the dice dude. Looks really beautiful. Um, they announced the Castlevania spinoff. Um, that'll star Richter Belmont and Maria Renards during the French Revolution. So uh, we got a first look at Splinter Cell. Animated series, but we know there's going to be Far Cry and Blood Dragon. Far, Far Cry, Far Cry, and <laughs> Captain Laserhawk. Uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon series, animated series. So there's the more doubling down on video games. Um, you got the Smart crossover and Strange Things, which we talked about on Arcade Couch. Uh, then we got a Witcher two season two teaser. It's like eleven seconds of like Siri looking cold it was basically nothing to be honest but. you know so there's that uh they also announced WitcherCon happening july 9th um i don't know if that's actually going to be an in-person convention or it's going to be no it's a it's an online thing but there's going to be panels for um the series and the video games yes yes maybe the books if the guide <laughs> I yeah I I don't know if he would want it. I know he's he likes the the Netflix show because he was involved obviously, but I don't think for the game side he would. But yeah, I uh, honestly from that WitcherCon I wouldn't expect another trailer there. I think it very much sounds like it's just panels of people talking about the stuff. So and then they did the live action Resident Evil cast news, uh, in which they announced Paola Nunez, Adele Rudolph, Sienna Agudong. Uh, Tamara Smart, Ella Belinska, and Lance Reddick as Albert Wesker, which made everybody super happy on the internet and content. That was sarcasm. That was sarcasm. So yeah, that was everything from Geek Week. Uh, some interesting stuff, a lot of stuff that... It, it seemed... I never watched any of the streams, but from seeing the highlights, it seemed to be... Odd. <laughs> Um, it, I think it was fine. Like it was then, it wasn't like a. It was just a spread out, basically 
they didn't do like a big stream like oh here's all this stuff they just spread out a bunch of information throughout the week and was like we're just gonna like here's a week of announcements and stuff and they would like little post their little videos and they're like oh this one's like focused on games or whatever i think they today. did have like, streams should. like they, had they did have streams but it, but it wasn't but it wasn't like it wasn't like we think about the e3 streams or no. anything like that it was just yeah okay uh I want to talk about something slightly related. Uh, so the news broke, I think, just before uh, we recorded the last episode, but you know, we didn't talk about it. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy, obviously the big Netflix series um, that I talked about a few episodes ago. Uh, I was sure it was going to get a second season because it seemed to be trending every single day. Uh, the entire cast has been released from their contracts uh, and that property is going to be retooled uh, and they're going to be making the super crooks, uh, which will be more focused on the criminal element of that universe, um, which seemed baffling to me uh, until you learn. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of behind the scenes problems um, to the extent where the series ballooned out to costing potentially up to $200 million for the entire series, uh, which uh, way over budget. Um I just think it's very interesting that obviously they cancelled it like within the month. They said, no, we're not doing a second season. Um, what are your thoughts? Obviously, <laughs> you um, haven't I've watched read it. Super, so. I've read Super Crooks, so there's a. I liked it, so. Um, yeah. You've got. It's more fun. It was more fun because it's it's just like. It's not superheroes doing superhero shit. It's yeah, superheroes. And I will say the bad crooks people. elements of uh, Jupiter's legacy was kind of more interesting. So, oh, did they have some of that in there? Yeah, they had some bad guys. The yeah involved. Uh, I think I assume it's the same. Same couple. Of I bad assume guys. so. I can't remember. All I know is like out of I, they got this whole Mark Millar thing going on, and like put, none of these things are my personal picks for like. What they should what do. Mark Miller stuff I would like to see ab- adapted into shows. Like, uh, it's like, mm, don't know. So, it, none of this is super exciting to me. Like, none of it's my favorite. No. Like, I would love to see American Jesus get adapted into a, Jeez. into a, in a thing because that would just piss off a lot of people. But it would be qu- quite funny to see. Or, um, Chrononauts was another one I really liked. Or, um, did you do Huck? Uh, Huck was really, yeah. There's no one. So I, I don't know. Like Jupiter's like this universe isn't my like favorite Mark no. Noir universe. No, yeah. It seems like it's interesting to see the reaction every single time they cancel one of these shows. Um the people who are upset that Netflix didn't give enough time. Uh that the rating the ratings were so good, why'd you cancel it? But it's got a thirty eight percent on Ron Tomatoes. Clearly people just did think it was very good. <laughs> And whether uh, yeah, I, how much I that outweighs it, it. So. yeah. Um, but yes, obviously to see it cancelled so soon, obviously they just didn't want to run the risk of it going over budget again. Um, mm. Even though they separated themselves from the producer and that kind of stuff. Uh, Look, ne- Netflix is still around because they, as much as it pisses us off sometimes and other people, like they've cancelled stuff that both you and I have liked at times or whatever, but they're still yeah. around because they're a business who's quite happy to be like, you know, this is working cancelled. Yeah. And that's what keeps them around, so. It would have been interesting to know what kind of numbers they would need to have done to make Netflix 
confidence in doing a second season. It would have been have to Whatever be it is, they didn't reach it, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, rip Jupiter's legacy. Uh, we probably won't miss you. Uh, so, Deadline has reported that 20th Century Studios is working on a prequel to Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Uh, apparently, uh, screenwriter Patrick Weiss Nice, who scribes a monster calls, is tackling the screenplay. There's currently no stars or directors attached. Um, interesting. After so many years, they're they're doing reworking, doing doing something with the Master and Commander, uh, IP. Uh, <laughs> disappointing that it won't be a sequel, and we won't see Russell Crowe and uh, Paul Bettany back. Uh, but yeah. I think we did an episode on Master Commander. We did do an episode yes. on Master Commander. Yes. So I think, from memory, we both quite liked it. Yes, I I've that was my second time watching because I watched it when it originally came out. So, um, yeah. and weirdly, it was my dad watched it for the first time about a month ago, and I watched like half an hour, forty minutes of it then as as well, and I was like, yeah, this is a good movie, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, would you be keen for a prequel to that? Not really. No, <laughs> I don't really understand why. It doesn't really make sense why you would do a prequel because it's very much an origin story for their ongoing adventures. Yep. It feels like. like. Yeah, I don't. I I don't get this. And it's not like it's a hot property where you're like, oh, the name carries weight, so the prequel do well based on the success of Master and Commander. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. So. But whatever. Maybe the movie's really good and it doesn't matter, but if, that's, if the movie's really good, I'll be like, why is it even connected, maybe? <laughs> like, it should just be in its own thing. I don't know. Uh, in good news, they've announced that Disney is working on a sequel to Cruella. Um, obviously... Fuck you, haters. Good good score on Rotten Tomatoes currently stands at 97%. Uh, still a cinema score. I don't know how it did financially... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't think it did fantastic at the box office. Um, but you know, clearly well, they I mean, they liked the, it enough. It's not to, out in America, so like. Well, it is out in America. It's just also available on Premier Access. So uh, you're never going to get those numbers. As so. of right now, it's got 129 million dollars across worldwide, making it the ninth highest film of the year. So. I don't feel like that's too bad, surely. No, that's pretty good considering the world we're in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I'm safe to say we're both very keen for a Cruella I'm very keen. As long as they don't do exactly what was talking about, like, what, no, I hope they do what was talking about and not what was saying we hope they don't do. So there's, there's a direction they could take the sequel where I'm just like, oh, I don't really fucking care anymore because you've taken it with that direction. But without spoiling it, in case you want to still watch it, I, 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 I just, it's, pretend it's not 101 Dalmatians connected. Like, this is just a new franchise. That's yeah. what I want. All right. Uh, then last piece of news. Uh, Lord of the Rings is getting an anime film. The War of Rohim. All right. So <laughs> the J.R. Uh, token... Tolkien franchise is heading back to the big screen in a fresh new line and Warner animation anime fit title titled uh, Lord of the Rings The War of Warheim. Uh, I'm told that the Oscar winning feature architects Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh are not involved with the project as we speak, 
but that will be determined down the road. Oscar-winning Lord of the Rings Return of the King scribe Philippa Bollins will be a consultant on the Dude Project, directed by Kenji Kemiyama. Uh, and the fi- pick is being fast-tracked with animation work done by Solar Entertainment. Uh, the War of Rohim will focus on the character from the book's appendix, the mighty King of Rohan, Helm Hammerhand, and a legendary battle which helps shape Middle-earth heading into the Lord of the Rings. Uh, overall, the movie is set to be a companion piece to New Line's Lord of the Rings trilogy, and set roughly 250 years before that movie, during the Second Age, uh, during the Third Age, uh, and note, Amazon's uncovering Lord of the Rings miniseries is set during the Second Age. Did you have Lord of the Rings animated film on your bingo card for the year? <laughs> uh, well, it's not the first one they've done, so... Is it? Know, they did that. They did that. Lord of the Rings animated film. Um, whatever. Eight whoever did that one. Forever ago. Forever ago. So you know, it's not the first time I've done one. <laughs> I own that on DVD somewhere, actually. Uh, no, I didn't have it on my bingo card. But this has potential to be good, so I can't really complain. It's funny how Lord of the Rings, I guess, is just I'm not saying like it died off because there's there's massive Lord of the Rings fans out there, but you know, like uh, collective uh, household name type thing lord of the rings is of course about to make a big comeback i guess the amazon series which they're basically amazon's putting all their money into hoping it will be uh, a game of thrones equivalent you know massive tv series so um having new line announcing that they want to do a movie to take part in the 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 rebirth popularity of the lord of the rings name makes sense to me so sure i'll watch it so yeah uh, yeah, seems an odd choice, uh, and it seems like it's something they're aiming to put in theaters, which is another odd choice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd be interested to check it out. Um, Kenji Kamiyama, I'm just kind of quick look to see what other work he's done. Uh, mostly anime stuff like Ghost of the Shell and one of the Ghost of the Shell m- spin-off movies, uh, and that kind of stuff. So it seems like it will be very anime like proper anime um so yeah that could be interesting uh yeah just a weird weird choice a weird story out of all the properties whether it's something they need need to do so warner brothers could keep the <laughs> the uh lord of the rings kind of license i guess that could be mm. a thing because seeing as they didn't haven't done anything since the hobbit now that uh um Amazon I don't know if that's the thing. It's not, I don't think they like have a refresh. No, who knows? Hollywood's weird. Mm. You know, it's like the Spider-Man thing. Mm. You just pump out a new film every mm. couple of years. Or... No. All right. All right. Let's move into thumbs for trailers. So interesting dynamic to this week's uh, version. Dylan has not watched any of these trailers. Do you mm. know anything about any of these trailers? Uh yeah yeah most yeah. Of the yeah most of them I know what they are but I'm watching. All right. Okay, so let's start off. So I'm gonna read the description. Dylan's gonna watch the trailer and then we'll get his immediate reactions. Okay. Okay. So first one is Demonic, directed by Neil Bomkamp, uh, starring Carly Pope. Uh, a young woman unleashes terrifying demons when supernatural forces are at the root of a decades-old rift between mother and daughter are revealed. Uh, obviously, Neil Bomkamp, known for more of his sci-fi things. I don't mm. think he's done a straight-up horror film like this one no. is. 
Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts? This looks straight out my alley. <laughs> 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 looks fucked up and weird and scary, and the trailer is really great. It's got this just the music I think paired with the like the demon growls or whatever you want to call it um kind of pulls that trailer together but yeah it, it looks fucking weird it, this is the kind of trailer where i watch and i'm like automatically like this is not an ashley movie is <laughs> what this is not uh but yeah I, i'm all about it it's funny how these directors who like um, um my old mate who did uh bloody forget his name old mate who did uh my my favorite movies um i'm, I'm really struggling right? the, the what edgar right no 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 but yeah there's a good example yeah like like a lot of people have been like stepping into horror lately who haven't touched horror like there's a few other directors jordan peele <laughs> yeah i mean jordan peele's obviously a really good example so it's just i'm it's trying just to figure out who the director you're trying to think of is no no i'm fucking tired let's be real <laughs> i'm just i'm struggling for life but um this this looks yeah this looks really really good so theaters and vod I uh, wonder where that means for us Australia, because yes, I I'd don't like to know. see this on the yeah. big screen. Uh, it's I currently would very got much like to watch this August twentieth release date in America. Um, mm. It could potentially show up here. Hopefully, yeah. I feel like Neil Blomkamp's a big enough name. It's being done by IFC, uh, yeah. so could be through Mad Men or something down here. So yeah, that's double cool. thumbs up. Um, as a horror trailer, I think it's pretty good. It's got a bit odd style. Um, with the like video game esque VR, yeah, it's not the whole. Segment. That's not the whole thing. It's not like the whole movie though. That's just like she's in some weird world or some shit. Yeah. So as a teaser, I think it's pretty good. So uh, yeah, two thumbs up as well for that one. Uh, next up, we've got Lin Manuel Miranda's debut film, Tick Tick. Boom. Directorial debut. Directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, starring Andrew Garfield, Vanessa Hudgens, Alexandra Ship, Robin DeJesus, Joshua Henry, Ludith Light, Bradley Whitford, uh, an aspiring theatre composer, endures a midlife crisis as he approaches 30 and does not feel close to his dream. You know, my, this, my automatic reaction is Andrew Garfield is probably a really underrated actor because of the Spider-Man shit and he was getting typecast for a while or whatever, but this could be his breakout um performance i guess for more of a mainstream um thing because back back before he did spider-man like when he was doing a lot of movies just over but obviously he blew up on the social network yeah yeah like well yeah so he blew up for that but he was doing a lot of really good movies prior to that indie stuff he was getting like sort of typecast or whatever a bit um after a degree uh so yeah this looks like he it could be his his breakout thing and obviously this could be a this has the potential to not only be a really good musical but also a good autobiography movie which i guess is a a different spin because a lot of musicals are just um fiction right so yeah so the interesting um, thing about this obviously uh based on from the musical tick tick boom written by mm-hmm. jonathan larson so uh jonathan larson obviously wrote rent uh the smash it musical but he died prior to the pre during the preview stage yeah of that musical so we never got to see the full success this was written prior to that and then was reworked to become a musical later never got to broadway i believe it was like off broadway that kind of stuff but it was like a uh, autobiographical story of him struggling to get success on broadway 
Yeah. So it's kind of sad that he, it's a success that he never got to experience because of his own passing. But yeah, this looks really interesting. Um, obviously, visually, pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. Never watched the musical. Know nothing about the musical. Uh, but yeah, looks cool. Andrew Garfield, again, looks really good. And his solid supporting cast around him. Uh, just that shot in the pool of like the staves of notes and kind of stuff. Uh, showing yeah. up in front of him and you hear stories from like songwriters of suddenly they'll get hit by inspiration and uh all this music will come to them and that seems like an interesting visual for that kind of experience so yeah definitely keen to check this out on uh netflix uh, it says select cinemas but i'm select I know cinemas I'm as gonna, well uh, it won't be here so i'm unfortunately yeah. gonna have to watch this on fucking netflix yeah, so uh, double thumbs sometime, up by the way. double thumbs up that's a really good trailer mm. uh Speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, Andrew Garfield, the next trailer is The Eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, directed by Michael Schulter, starring Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, Cherry Jones, and Vincent D'Orofro, uh, in which Jim and Tammy Faye Baker rise from humble beginnings to create a televangelical empire. Yeah, I guess it really is uh, Andrew Garfield's year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know the backstory of these two people but obviously you know that the types so that's the that's yep. the thing the the religious television types there's a real famous one in america at the moment who uh, every time i've seen a video of him on twitter or anything like that just he is that like looks like this like piece of shit like absolute <laughs> piece of shit like and they are like like I, I really don't i mean i don't feel like it's a hot take to say these like religious televangelist people aren't all just um, they're, they're all just hoodwinking people or whatever you want to call it. Like they're yeah. all just, it's bullshit to make money. So, um, and when the trailer started, I was like, wait, is this movie like legit trying to like, look at these really nice Christians <laughs> like stuff. But then <laughs> it gets to that point where like, uh, they're sitting at a table or whatever. And she says, are we doing something wrong or whatever? I was like, oh, okay. So we're actually going there. And then obviously they get towards the end and, um, it teases a lot of more fucked up shit towards the end there. And I don't know if I'll actually look them up or just wait. No, either way, but this looks really good. Jessica Chastain also looks fucking phenomenal in this. She's like, this unrecognizable. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, like, I know I was saying Andrew Garfield and that other movie looked really good. He looks really good in this as well. But, uh, Chris, uh Jessica Chastain look is obviously the standout. She's the main star. It seems like Garfield's the, the co star. Yeah. Um, uh, and this also like a ch- chance for her. Like, she's a really good actress. But this just seems a whole other level for her as well. So, um, yeah, I'm very keen. This looked very, very good. Double thumbs up for me. Yeah, I think a really good trailer. Um, yeah, across the board, looks really great. Double thumbs up. Um, all right. Yeah, just a... I will also say, based on a documentary of the same name, uh, I had a quick look. You can only get find it on Fetch, unfortunately, for rental oh. at the moment. But uh, that came out in 2000. Narrated by RuPaul. Uh, Quinn. <laughs> Seems like an odd choice. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, 2000 pr- probably wasn't well done back then, so... Uh, yeah. Uh, next up, we've got No Sudden Move, uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh, uh, starring Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, David Harbour, John Hamm, Amy Smites, Brendan Frazier, Kieran Culkin, Noah Jupy, uh Craig Grant, Julia Fox, Ray Liotta, and Bill Duke. 
1954 Detroit small-time criminals are hired to steal a document. When their heist goes horribly wrong, the search for who hired them and for what purpose sends them wending through all echelons of the race-torn, rapidly changing city. Streaming? Come on now. No, it is... uh, So this is expected to come to cinemas 26th of August. Thank God, because... Like, I'm like, please don't make me watch this at home. This looks like a fun time on the big screen. You know? Remember that time when Soderbergh was like, I'm not making movies anymore. <laughs> I want to <anymore>. retire. <laughs> <laughs> what a shit timeline that would have been. That looked like a great double thumbs up. That looks like a good old Steven Soderbergh. Bunch of characters, quirky remarks, you know, action, heist, crime. I don't know. Like, that just looks like typical Soderbergh type. Um, stuff, but yeah, watching that whole trailer, all I could help thinking was like, remember when he wasn't going to make movies? What a that's the bad timeline. Like, <laughs> that's this just looks really great. Also, um, there's just a bunch of people in there that I, I can't wait to see bounce off one another. You know, like actor wise, like John Hamm bouncing off. Um, oh fuck, I should have left that. Uh, what's his fake from um Stranger Things? David Harbour, like David Harbour and yeah. John Hamm interacting and. Uh, Benicio del Toro interacting with either of those two. Like, there's just a bunch of people. I'm like, how do like I know Don Cheadle's like the main guy, and I'm like, yeah, but like nothing against him. But there's just some of those other actors where I'm like, oh, this is just exciting to see them in a film together. So yeah, that double thumbs up, really good. Yeah, this definitely looks really interesting. Obviously, uh, great cast across the board. Um, yeah, and Soderbergh makes these fun kind of films. Like, obviously, he's known for his Oceans trilogy. Uh, Logan Lucky from a few years ago was very well received and it's kind of a similar heist movie just yeah really good glad you didn't retire uh, interesting again see Brandon Fraser the first thing I think I've seen him in advertised in a long time he's on a comeback he's on a comeback on a comeback he's got the he Soderbergh film got the Aronofsky oh. film you know all the big directors want him uh, oh. so no time like the present uh, last trailer Reminiscence. Um, this uh, directed by Lisa Joy, uh, starring Hugh Jackman, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Thandie Newton, Cliff Curtis, uh, Marina D. Tavia, Daniel Wu, Mojian Aria, Brett Cullen, Natalie Martinez, uh, Angela Seferain, and Nico Parker. Uh, scientist discovers a way to relieve your past and use the technology to search for his long lost love when a private investigator uncovers his conspiracy while helping his clients recover lost memories I can't believe that they let Lisa Joy film an entire movie while they was filming Westworld season 3 just on the <laughs> set at the same time it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty crazy um, I know you haven't watched Westworld so you don't realise but they had a uh, this looks so much like the set of Westworld 3. That's was distracting always. How how much of this? My other thing is like so Lisa Joy. I'm like if I, if you say Lisa Joy, I go okay. The the co creator of um because it's just it, it's just her and um Jonathan Nolan uh, Nolan who does it because as far as I'm aware, it's just those two. And she's written a bunch of the episodes, but of course, is credited the executive producer. I think she directed maybe one or two episodes of Westworld, but I don't know if she's directed anything else. So this, as far as I'm aware, is her. She's done some big, other television. She, no, actually, nothing that's big. Only directing. This is only. Her. Yeah, directing. Yeah, that's directing. what I thought. Like, was it one or two episodes of Westworld? She's done one at least. I remember. Uh, it doesn't say. It just says twenty-eight okay. episodes. 
No, directing, though. If you go to IMDb yeah, and you solo it down to directing. One. Just one. Yeah, one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I remember when it came out, she was directing one. I was like, oh, Lisa's directing one. But, um, yeah, so other than that distracting factoid about this, <laughs> the other thing that this makes me think of is, A, that Sinking City video game that I actually haven't played, uh, where there's a detective. <laughs> uh, and, B, it just looks like some combination of, like, Inception or some shit like that, basically, I guess. Um, I, I'm intrigued. I was, I didn't think the trailer had like, it had a weird pacing to it or something like kind of, um, off to it or like, I didn't like the song choice or something like that. Um, but I think the the setup is kind of cool. Like it, you know, like the whole idea of people getting addicted to, to looking back and him looking for his, I guess, partner, wife, or whatever it is. Um, through the scene, I like how they've cast Danny Newton in it because she's just like, "You're good on Westworld. Come work on this when you're not filming scenes <laughs> for that show." Since I just filmed this in the background while they not noticing, um, and yeah, sure. Uh, Hugh Jackman in this role, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Like, I'm just like, I'm not sure about Hugh Jackman in this role yet, based solely off this trailer. So I'm going one up, one down. Ooh. And I'm, but I would, yeah, like, I'm, I'm still keen to watch it. I'm just going one up, one down, honestly. Uh, it's two thumbs up from me. This looks fantastic um definitely a weird high budget interesting world just like you could have had the everybody's gotten into reminiscing about the past but to Mm. include the like sinking city uh underwater thing on top of that kind of makes it kind of an interesting world that you want to learn more about uh definitely feel like they've edited it in a way that's kind of trying to misdirect you as much as possible um (laughs) Try and keep the mystery of it, and you know, I'm keen to see more Rebecca Hall. Uh, no, Rebecca Ferguson. You know, she's great in everything we've seen her in. Uh, so yeah, another big leading role. Uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman's always pretty great. So, um, yeah, definitely jump straight towards the top of my list of things to watch later this year. This one is set to release in cinemas August nineteenth. Um, so yeah. Another one to look forward to. Getting to that time of year with a lot of good, a lot of movies coming out. So, it's movies, exciting. games, TV shows—you got shit everywhere at the moment. Everything. All right, let's wrap up this episode of What Do You Want to Watch with our What Do You Want to Watch top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, and this week, I figured talked about in the heights, talked about tick tick boom. Uh, just go easy. Easy one. It's been a long week. Just top three musicals. Uh, we already know Dylan's number one. So, <laughs> but Dylan, Do why don't you start with your number three? What's your number three? Um. So my number. So I just want to clarify. When we're saying musicals, we don't. We're not saying straight up like singing in the rain. Like we have a. There's like, like I'm happy to give you whatever free reign you want to just use. Okay. Number three, I've got Inside Lewin Davis, the uh, Coen Brothers movie that stars Ooh. Oscar Isaac as a sort of struggling young singer in the 60s or 70s, whenever the fuck it was set. Hold on, I'll fucking clarify. Inside. 1961 is when it was set. Uh, co-stars Carrie Mulligan, John Goodman. Garrett Hedlund's in it. I forgot about that. Justin Timberlake, of course. Um, yeah, it's just like... so. Oscar Isaac's really, really good in this. This is probably my favorite Oscar Isaac movie, probably. Yeah, it's like either this or um, 
Ex Machina, I guess is my two favorite Oscar Isaac performances. But yeah, it's just like, it's just that whole. Also, you know who's fucking amazing in this? In the, I nearly forgot to mention it. Adam Driver's in this and they sing this song in this movie. Him and yeah, Oscar Isaac sing. Yeah. You've seen that? But you haven't seen the movie, have you? You've just seen the, no, the song. I've seen or? that clip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they sing this amazing song and it's like one of the moments of like comedy amongst a movie that's sort of dark and, you know, because it's, you know, that struggling guy musical like trying to make it kind of thing but yeah adam driver is fucking amazing in this movie for he's not in it that much he's like barely he was barely anybody when this came out i guess but yeah, he's, he's really really good but yeah so this is my number three i think it's possibly i, I mean underrated's not really right because obviously it was very well reviewed and um got he a bunch nominated. of best picture nominees yeah. yeah i know but like i feel like in the scheme of like um Maybe if a bunch of people, maybe this has a bunch of people in it now who are more famous, like Oscar Isaac or um, even Adam Garrett Hedlund's a lot more Patlin now and Adam Driver, obviously. So um, I feel like if, if you like them and you're like, if people went back and watched this now, maybe they would enjoy it a lot more because of the, the names. But when it came out, they weren't big names, so they didn't get maybe as much attention. But yeah, it's it's a really, really good um movie and by what i meant by is it does this still count like there's a lot of music in this movie obviously but it's not a like singing the plot it's uh mm. just has a lot of song moments or people singing moments and stuff so does that still count like is it time to you yeah okay how do you want to describe a musical okay okay though for my number three is a coincidence you said singing in the rain my number three is actually singing in the rain uh so this is a movie i watched in uni uh as part of like history of cinema uh kind of thing i think it's fantastic um just an interest set during an interesting time period obviously uh in the transition between silent film era and the start of the talkies um to set a musical during that period uh and then for it to be so colorful and over the top and uh beautifully choreographed and shot and yeah just just a lot of fun so yeah, this is one of those older movies I actually enjoy. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Singing in the Rain is my number three. Uh, I think it's a must watch if you want to have an appreciation for, you know, cinema. <laughs> uh, Dylan, what is your number two? Um, talking about appreciation for cinema, mine is the set. No, it's uh, to <laughs> the pick of destiny because it's the pick. <laughs> Destiny. This is uh, one of the greatest musicals of all time. It tells the story of a young Jambles who's uh, struggling through life and you know just wants to be a wants to be a great old time. You know, he meets a friend called KG and they become best friends and they go on to become rock olds basically by battling the devil. Like, what is a more fantastic movie than this? This this movie has one of the greatest movie musical albums of all time like start to finish tenacious g soundtrack absolute bangers old sing-alongs i remember this movie came out when i was in high school you know like everyone loved tenacious d pick a destiny everyone was singing fucking kickaboo through to pick a destiny through to whatever um else song you want um huge i and i've re i rewatched it like a year ago no maybe it was two years ago i can't remember but holds up it's still fucking great like uh, there's so many great cameos as well from like rock gods or whatever you want to call them in this movie like fucking meatloaf at the start playing his dad and all this sort of stuff like ultra christian dad and then dio starts like 
on his poster wall, like starts singing. Like, it's so good. It's so funny. It's so great. It's just like, obviously, if you hate Jack Black and his music and Tenacious D and his type of humor or whatever, this ain't going to work for you. But my God, the, I, this, it's just the most Jack Black, Jack Black thing. And it's, it's, I, I really, really like it. It's, it's a lot of fun. My number, <laughs> my number two, mm-hmm. The Muppets. The 2011 version, uh, starring Jason Segel and Amy Adams, uh, really enjoyed it. It just drummed up so much nostalgia. This might have like kicked off the legacy sequel train. You know, now I think about it, like a movie set in the same universe several years after. Um, no, I think you're forgetting the fact that the only reason that movie happened is that in forgetting Sarah Marshall, he talks about wanting to make a puppet show, and then. Um, he actually goes on to do this movie afterwards, so it's actually his character from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. No, well, I guess you could pretend that that version. Is <laughs> That's what I've been pretending. Jason Segel's playing that version, who's playing uh, uh, that character in yep. Muppets. This is uh, this yeah. is what I've been pretending. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really great songs written by Ben McKenzie from Fly the Concords. So why couldn't why wouldn't you love all the music in the 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 film? Uh, yeah, just a really enjoyable movie uh, that, you know, made me, uh, you know, fall back in love with the Muppets, at least for a little while. Uh, yeah. So, Dylan, surprise everyone. What's your number one? How many lists can you make at which point I can just include <laughs> this movie? Uh, Dylan, my number one is also La La Land. Okay, very good. So, yeah, number one is La La Land. I... It, but the, the thing, it's not a cop out because La La Land is just generally it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So it, there's no way it's not number one in my top musicals. If it, it's also one of my favorite yep. movies <laughs> of all time. Look, I watched the movie a bunch. I love the movie. I think it's for, I don't know how much shit I can say about it. It's the only CD I keep in my car, like as backup in case the my I can't use my phone or anything like that. So it's like the one CD that's in there. So that if I can't use Bluetooth thing, I'm like, okay, well, I just switch over time to listen to La La Land soundtrack. It's, yeah, I, it is just such a fun movie full of heart and romance and it just real and hits you in the feels. And it's just doesn't, it doesn't have like a Hollywood romance. doesn't have a Hollywood ending. It's just more of a real. And I appreciate that. And all the songs are fantastic. And yeah, it's, it's a modern day, it's a modern day equivalent to singing in the rain. I feel as far as like musicals go like that's as close as you can get to a 21st century proper musical that we've ever had that's done it right while moving the musical medium forward and doing some more modern age uh things and interesting stuff so yeah it's it's i love it uh yeah fantastic movie uh obviously for our, i feel like it was a musical for our generation like the it wasn't like a, obviously it harkened back to older musicals, but it felt modern and contemporary. Um, and I th- wrote in my review of uh, In the Heights. Uh, obviously, we've got a lot of musicals coming out later this year. Uh, we've got Dear Evan Hansen. We've got Spielberg's uh, West West Side Story. West, yeah. I feel like La La Land is a major factor into why we've got so many musicals coming out this year and currently in like development. Um, it kind of rebirthed the genre to a certain degree. Even though they've had musicals along the way, uh, nothing 
as critically acclaimed and beloved as La La Land and kind of restored, produced, like, uh, studio's faith that a musical can be uh, a success, both critically and commercially. So, yeah. La La Land. My- I'm sure we'll, like, it'll come up in the top three. I was about to say, again, so. see what you can pick next week so I can bring it up next week. That top three Emma Stone movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> done. Um, by the way, my two honorable mentions, just to check out real quickly, Sound of Music and Sing Street. Mm. I, would, I would put Hamilton. <laughs> I'm like, mm. do I include that or not? Uh, and then South Park. Really? Yeah. Love that. So South Park's your equivalent to my tenacious D pick, but I, I put so. mine in the top. I was nearly got so I was nearly gonna put Sing Street as my number two and be like, because you've seen that. Be right? serious, like, yeah. Sing Street's fucking fantastic. It's but great. I, and I was nearly gonna put Sound of Music because that's probably my favorite of the um the classic. If you want to call it, like the classic music because like Sound of I. I know we. I got shown that when I was a kid. I, I I gravitate more to that than any of the other ones, like Singing in the Rain or anything, just because I got it was the first one I watched as a kid. And I actually liked it as a kid, so um, that was another thing. But yeah, I was gonna put Sing Street, but I was like, fuck, man, like Tenacious D, like I just love the. Li- I'm just no, I'm just gonna be honest with myself, you know, like yeah, <laughs> let's number two. Speak your truth. Yeah. Uh, let us know what your top three musicals are by going to uh, explosion.com/slash Twitter. Our Twitter handles are there, and you can just tweet at us uh, your dislikes about our top threes or what you would have put on instead uh or you can jump into a discord at explosion.com slash discord if you want to help us out leave us a review on the apple podcast or on podchaser or just tell somebody about the show please please uh and if you like this episode that is worth a dollar head on over to our coffee page at explosion.com slash support you can buy us a coffee for as little as a dollar uh thank you very much for listening until next time keep watching stuff i guess All right. Uh, so before the E three times, you did go venture the cinema. Uh, in that eerie time right. between us recording the episode and the <laughs> the episode coming out, you went out and watched The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. I didn't talk about this last time. I don't think so. <laughs> I better check. I swear. I, I swear I did. I, sh- would, I swear I talked bad. about it. Nope, it's not on my show notes from last episode. You talked about The Quiet Place last episode. Oh my god, everything's melding together. I swear I've been talk- I've talked about it with someone. Maybe it was just off. I don't know. Every- my life is a podcast. I can't keep up. All right, just cut all this out then. Um, all right.